Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Whispering Woods podcast. I'm Sarah and there's no Toby today. He's away at Alton Towers with his best mate. It's his best mate's birthday, so they've gone there for the weekend. First of all, I'd like to say a big, big thank you to our newest patron, Pam. Thank you so much for coming over and supporting our show. We really appreciate it. Today's episode is all about the ancient Ram Inn and haunted pubs. When I was recording this episode last night, the house was empty for a change, just me. And I've not spent any time in the house, like overnight on my own for ages. So when I was recording, all of a sudden I heard this massive bang. And it was one of those air fresheners, you know, that they go off on their own. Now I have it on top of a shelf at the top of my stairs. And somehow, it's been up there for months, somehow it had managed to fall down and it frightened the life out of me just when I was deeply entrenched in haunted pubs um this massive bang upstairs you can imagine my heart was going like the clappers quite liked it though I'm not gonna lie we'll get straight into it so here's a piece about the haunted ram inn the ancient ram inn has been standing since 1145 After being originally built as a place to house the workers who were constructing the nearby St. Mary's Church. Gloucestershire, the county where the ancient Ram Inn is located, seems to be a hotbed for ghostly activity. While the inn itself is known for its hauntings, it's not the only place in the area 
with supernatural tales to tell. Two other notable locations in Gloucestershire, said to be infested with ghosts, are the Woodchester Mansion and St. Brivas Castle. Now, you might be wondering if there's any connection between these three haunted spots. Well, it turns out there might be something more to it. From an archaeological perspective, the ancient Ramin holds a unique position. It's situated right on the crossroad of two key ley lines. Ley lines are believed to be straight lines that connect several places of geological and spiritual importance. These lines often pass through sites like prehistoric burial grounds, mystical locations such as stone circles, and even ancient churches and cathedrals. So it's quite intriguing to think that the ancient Ramin is located at the meeting point of these ley lines. Could this alignment have some significance in the paranormal activity experienced at the inn? It's hard to say for sure, but there might be a connection between the inn, Woodchester Mansion and St. Brivell's Castle. Given their shared association with hauntings and their proximity to these ley lines, the ley line that intersects with the ancient Ram Inn and passes through the centre of Stonehenge adds another layer of intrigue to the supernatural activity in the area. Stonehenge, a world-renowned ancient monument, is believed to hold significant spiritual and energetic properties. It's said the energy from Stonehenge may contribute to the paranormal occurrences experienced along this ley line. Additionally, the ancient Ramin is believed to have been built on top of an ancient pagan burial ground, which further strengthens the paranormal activity and ghostly encounters reported on the premises. The concept of pagan burial grounds being haunted is rooted in the belief that disturbed or desecrated resting places can lead to unrestful spirits or residual energy. It's said that the spirits of those buried in these grounds may continue to linger and haunt the area. With these elements combined, the ley line connection to Stonehenge, the energy tracks and the presence of the burial ground, it's no wonder that the ancient Ram Inn is a hotbed for paranormal activity. Visitors and investigators at the inn have reported a wide range of supernatural experiences, including ghostly apparitions, strange sounds and unexplained phenomena. The ancient Ram Inn also has an interesting connection to the Doomsday Book. For those unfamiliar, the Doomsday Book is a detailed survey of England, conducted in 1086, during the reign of William the Conqueror. It aimed to provide a comprehensive record of land ownership and resources. In relation to the ancient Ram Inn, it's believed that the site on which the inn stands today 
was mentioned in the Doomsday Book. While the inn itself wasn't specifically mentioned, the surrounding area of wooden underedge was documented. This adds to the historical significance of the location and its ties to the early medieval period. The Doomsday Book is a valuable resource for historians as it provides insights into land ownership, population and other aspects of medieval England. Knowing that the ancient Ramin's location is linked to this extensive record adds another layer of fascination to its already mysterious reputation. The heightened supernatural occurrences and potentially hazardous experiences have deterred regular guests from staying at the inn. Instead, it's become a destination primarily sought out by ghost hunters, mediums and individuals with a fascination for the paranormal. Those who are willing to embrace the potential risks and spend the night in order to witness and explore the haunted phenomena firsthand. The entities that are said to haunt the ancient Ramin vary according to the stories and experiences shared by visitors. Here are a few entities that have been associated with the inn. One of the most renowned tales involves a witch who was tragically burned at the stake during the 1500s, a time characterised by fervent witch hunting. Escaping from the clutches of government-sanctioned witch hunters, the woman sought sanctuary in the ancient Ramin. Unfortunately, she was eventually apprehended and burned at the stake. Nevertheless, her memory endures as a legend. The chamber in which she sought refuge has been affectionately named the Witch's Room, with locals believing that her spirit continues to haunt this space. Another of the most well-known and often reported entities is a female spirit believed to be a pagan high priestess. She is seen roaming various areas of the inn and is often associated with feelings of unease and a dark presence. There are also child spirits who are said to be the restless souls of children who may have suffered tragic or traumatic events during their lives. Witnesses have reported hearing the sounds of children laughing, crying or playing, even when no children are present. Some have claimed to see their apparitions, often dressed in outdated clothing or appearing as fleeting shadows. These child spirits are believed to have a mischievous nature, often engaging in playful activities or moving objects. Some visitors have reported feeling tugging or pulling on their clothing, as if being playfully teased by an unseen presence. Others have witnessed toys or objects being moved or rearranged without any plausible explanation. The origins of these child spirits are unclear, but the inn itself has a dark and tumultuous history. Some speculate that rituals or sacrifices may have taken place there in the past. 
Additionally, it's said to have been a location where children were subjected to abuse or mistreatment. The Bishop's Room, located on the first floor of the inn, is known to be the most haunted. Within its walls, a staggering nine entities are said to reside. One of the friendlier apparitions is that of a small dog, often observed in one corner of the room, but the presence of several more ominous spirits are also felt and witnessed by guests. Among these entities is the ghostly figure of a dark monk, as well as various bishops and nuns. It's rumoured that this room was once a site for devil worship, adding to its terrifying reputation. Some claim to have experienced supernatural phenomena, such as being lifted and thrown across the room by an unseen force. The bed in this room has also been known to levitate. The spectral cries of a man who allegedly met his tragic end after his head was forcibly pushed into the fireplace can be heard emanating from the room. Additionally, the apparition of a young woman has been sighted, appearing from the ceiling in a disturbing and unnatural manner, upside down, hanging by her legs. This chilling sight has left many unsettled. As if these encounters weren't enough, a Roman centurion on horseback has even been witnessed riding through the walls of the bishop's room. As you can imagine, this terrifying sight shocked the two unsuspecting plumbers who were working in the area. The bishop's room is undoubtedly a hotbed of supernatural activity. Even the kitchen of the inn does not escape the haunting presence that permeates the inn. One particularly chilling incident occurred when an 18-year-old man entered the kitchen during a ghost hunt and was forcefully thrown against a wall by an unseen entity. Another incident involved a young couple who were struck with sheer panic when they witnessed the apparition of a woman emerging from the kitchen floor. It was later discovered that a woman after a baby had been buried in the same location. Adjacent to the kitchen behind the bar lies another tragic tale. A young woman known as Elizabeth has revealed herself numerous times, claiming to have been murdered by a highwayman. It's believed that the space between the roof served as a hiding spot for two highwaymen, and it's possible that one of them was responsible for the murder of this woman. The ancient Ramian has changed ownership several times throughout its history. Some notable owners include the Playdale Bouveret family and John Humphreys, who purchased the inn in the late 20th century. In 1930, the ancient Ramian came under private ownership when Maurice the Bar purchased and restored the property. After several decades, the inn was sold to Mr. Humphreys in 1968 for £2,600. 
Mr. John Humphreys devoted his life to the restoration and preservation of the inn, ensuring its historical significance was maintained. During the renovation of the inn's basement, an unsettling discovery was made by Mr. Humphreys. As he dug beneath the staircase, he accidentally unearthed the grave containing the remains of several child skeletons. Tragically, these children appeared to be victims of ritual sacrifice, as broken knives were found still lodged within their small bodies. This disturbing revelation may explain the sounds of childlike crying that echo through the inn. In an attempt to ease the haunting cries, stuffed animals were placed throughout the premises, resulting in a slight reduction in the intensity, though the crying never completely stopped. There are reports of a spectral figure identified as a young girl named Rosie, the presence glides down the hallway. It remains uncertain whether this apparition is truly the spirit of a child or something more ominous. Mr. Humphreys himself was subjected to unsettling experiences involving his ghostly housemates. On his very first night staying over, he was abruptly yanked from his bed by an invisible force grasping his arms, and his bedroom was taken over by a mischievous poltergeist, incessantly pounding on the window. The disturbing incidents of being dragged from his bed stopped only after Mr. Humphreys resorted to placing a large wooden crucifix in his room. But the relentless window banging didn't stop. It continued in a different room within the inn. Faced with these distressing occurrences, Mr. Humphreys' wife and daughter Caroline made the decision to relocate to another house, no longer willing to stay at the inn. Despite being left alone, Mr. Humphreys never thought of leaving the inn. He was determined to stay and face whatever entities were also housed within. Mr. Humphreys an avid collector of antiques, was delighted when he stumbled upon an antique painting featuring the esteemed pastor John Wesley. But his elation quickly turned to alarm when he attempted to hang the painting in the stairwell, triggering a scary series of events. Doors that had remained closed tightly for years suddenly swung open and then slammed shut by an unseen force. Simultaneously, a cacophony of banging resonated from all the windows. Even his daughter's dog, usually fearless, refused to go in the stairwell while the painting was displayed. Needless to say, the painting didn't remain in its place for very long, as Mr. Humphreys promptly decided to remove it, bringing an end to the unsettling disturbances. The 18th century barn on the property is known to be haunted by a menacing figure standing at an imposing height of seven feet. This dark entity exhibits a violent and aggressive nature towards men while displaying a preference for a specific type of female. 
It's said that this tall, dark figure often manifests in the doorway of the barn, as if guarding or protecting something within. The exact nature of what this figure is protecting remains a mystery. Caution is advised when approaching or entering the barn, as interactions with this dark entity have been known to provoke aggression and fear. The inn was also plagued by the presence of an incubus and a succubus. These malevolent demons were the primary reason why the inn was deemed unsuitable for its intended purpose as a bed and breakfast. The incubus, a male sex demon, would take advantage of the female visitors, feeding off their female hormones whilst they lay in bed. Similarly, the succubus, a female demon, would prey upon male visitors, nourishing herself with their male hormones. The terrifying presence of these demons drove some individuals to extreme measures, leading them to leap out of the windows in an attempt to escape their clutches. Curiously, John Humphreys, the proprietor of the inn, had an unusual relationship with the incubus. He shared his room with the demon until his death. In 2016, John suffered a broken leg that left him in need of daily assistance. His daughter, Caroline Humphreys, took on the responsibility of arranging and financing the required care. But Caroline encountered difficulties in convincing carers to visit her father after dark. After some negotiation, a compromise was reached between Caroline and the caregivers. They agreed to provide the necessary assistance, but only if they could work in pairs. John passed away in 2017, and the inn now belongs to its daughter, Caroline. You can visit the inn and conduct your own investigations, or join one of the many ghost hunting events held throughout the year. Now, apparently, when I was a te- when I was a toddler, I saw Roman chariots going across the sky, and I described them perfectly to my mum. I said, "Look, look, what's that up there? It's really strange." Um, my my granddad Cocker. Now, his house. Uh, he used to live in Henbury when we were kids, and his house used to back on to one of the schools. My auntie was in the house once, and she also saw a Roman soldier stood looking at her. And when they did some ex- excavating around the area, around the school, and they did find um, Roman artefacts. Um, so it, it was an area that the Romans had lived. They had the remains there and stuff. Really scary. I'm not sure if I, what I'd do if I was faced with a Roman soldier. Probably just scream in his face and then faint. Just anecdotally, when my, my granddad, because his bedroom window used to back onto our senior school, one day one of my sister's friends was laughing hysterically. She was going up the corridor in the stairs and she could see this guy facing out to the school doing all of his exercises and he was an older man. So she's giggling away and my sister said to her, what are you laughing at? And um, she told her and she looked up and yes, it was granddad doing his exercises in front of the window, facing everybody in the school. Probably knowing him, it was unbeknown. 
But there he was, in his full splendour. <laughs> Not naked, I must say, but I don't think he had a top on. <laughs> right, let's move on to the scary story about a pub. In my university town, there was a haunted pub and B&B. And in the pub, after last orders, you'd occasionally be allowed to stay and spend some time in the different rooms, doing glasswork and seances with a medium from the local gypsy traveller compound. The pub was a C-16 building, timber-framed and just as warped and oddly proportioned as you might hope. It was one of those places where light didn't quite reach the corners and the mood was only ruined a little by the dull beige furniture of the guest rooms. My friends and I could get very gently razzed on old peculiar before the pub closed and then have a whale of a time getting scared in all the building's nooks and crannies. I talk about it lightly now, but there were a couple of times I thought I'd ruined life's pleasure for myself by exposing myself to what seemed totally legit evidence of ghosts. I've read about the psychology of glasswork and I'm absolutely open to the high likelihood that the glass's movement is really down to a psychological phenomena. What I do still find inexplicable is how the movement of the glass changed in character as different spirits approached us. There was an aggressive lad haunting the building, who moved the glass in big, brash circles. The glass often teetering on the edge of the table and threatening to fall, although it never did. There was a young girl who you could recognise immediately by the careless, almost charming way the glass began to wander, like a butterfly in a botanic garden. I also remember the way the glass spun under our fingers, on the spot with no real wobble, as if it were being turned on a lathe. The grinding sound on the table was loud enough to remind me of the dear Lord Jesus' stone being rolled aside. In one of our earlier sessions, I asked this girl the completely juvenile question, Do you believe in God? and fairly bricked it when the glass stopped moving to say no. Being Catholic, I took myself to my priest to ask him about it on Sunday, feeling stupid but also kind of curious about his response. His answer was spookier than I expected. First of all, he reasoned that of course the girl didn't believe in God. She was dead and not in heaven so why should she? Then he got very serious and told me that in seminary, priests are given a list of commandments, if you will. Not the ten famous ones brought down by Moses, but somewhat different. He said he couldn't tell me what number one on the list was, or the drama, but that number two was do not consult with demons or spirits of the dead. The reason he gave for this was pretty standard, that you open yourself up to being misled, but I was excited to find he took it so seriously. Do you not think I've seen things in my 60 years as a priest? He asked me in his lovely Irish lilt, 
before proceeding to tell me a super spooky story about a couple in the parish whose paraplegic child began to move around the house, seemingly with the aid of an unseen force. Needless to say, I ignored his advice and excitedly went back to the pub at the first opportunity. One time I remember that about ten of us did a seance at a large table at the back of the pub. Actually, I quickly stepped out of it because whether or not I truly believed what was going on, I decided I didn't much feel like risking my dear immortal soul by inviting someone else to inhabit my fleshy vessel. I was sitting in the circle silently saying Hail Marys to myself when the median stopped and said the spirits were becoming agitated. Somebody at the table wasn't as open to the experience as they professed. My hand shot up and I volunteered quite gladly to leave the table and observe. One of the pub's barmaids, who had joined us that evening, was possessed. It was the oddest thing I've ever seen. Her head kind of snapped back and at no point in the ensuing conversation did she ever straighten her head properly. It lolled weirdly. The voice that emanated from her mouth was definitely not the voice of the barmaid, but a strange croak which I can only emulate when my friends and I are trying to reheat some of the terror by kind of speaking while breathing in. It was such an unexpected sound that some people at the table laughed nervously and this really enraged the spirit, which was a woman called Anna. Not funny, not funny, not funny, not funny. She roared for long enough to be alarming. I shiver thinking about it. As far as I'm concerned, the good thing about seances is that they are pretty satisfying to participate in and observe. But if anything really freaks you out, you can read some Edwardian sceptic and convince yourself it was all rubbish. However, later that night, we saw something more difficult to dismiss. Three of my friends and I were in one of the uppermost rooms of the pub, known to be a favourite haunt of the aggressive lad that resided in the building. We were nervous because, for seasoning perhaps, we'd been informed the room was also home to an elemental that the gypsies called Fido, because it seemed to manifest as a dog. Elementals, as we all know, can be unpredictable and violent, and I wasn't really keen to hang around. I was almost relieved that the only thing presenting itself during the glasswork was the aggressive ghost, who quickly took up his trademark swoops around the table. By this point, my friend Sebastian, who was French and a bit of an ass, began to lose patience with what he considered a relatively tame few weeks of watching a glass move around and declared he wanted the spirit to do, do something, something, pull our pull hair, hair, touch us. I protested that that was definitely not what I wanted. But Sebastian squealed as I was speaking and there was a dry patter of something scattering across the table. Another friend leapt up to turn the lights on spread across the table and tangled in Sebastian's luxurious locks was what we quickly realised was potpourri. Looking around the room, we quickly ascertained it had come from a bowl of the terrible stuff 
on an occasional table in the corner. A good stretch from the low coffee table where we all squatted. There was even a clear scoop in the bowl where it seemed somebody had reached in. We politely shut the conversation down and as the sun rose we went home and to sleep in the same room. Now I know that's not a gold standard haunting, but it's the one thing, wryly sceptical as I am, that I find difficult to dismiss when I think of my own experience with the paranormal. I haven't done anything like that for years now, but I'm glad I did, because there's an extra frisson of terror now when I read M.R. James, and I do still wonder about what was number one on that seminary list. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think there's definitely something about old pubs. You can just feel the vibe, all the history when you walk in. I really want to go and visit an old pub now. Now, I've been sober for like five years, so I don't drink anymore. But I love to sit in an old pub with a cup of coffee and a nice slice of cake. Not much chance of doing it today. It's Sunday when I'm recording this, as I need to get the podcast done and out there. And then I've got a horrendous amount of stuff to do this week. Um, before we get ready to go on our holiday to Devon, which I'm really looking forward to. And I really, really want to know what number one was as well, or number one is. I'm going to have to Google it and see what I can find out. I'll let you know if I do find anything out. So we're off to Devon for a week. Um, very kindly, the Children's Fund have given us a holiday because of the accident with George and his disabilities and stuff. So we're going to be having a break. So this week, I will be hurriedly recording all of the podcast episodes. It'll just be stories, so there won't be an introduction to save me doing the research and stuff. So I'll be picking the subject. I've got a few in mind at the moment. I'm just recording stories for next Monday's episode and the following extra episode. I'm really excited about it. We've got some lovely places to go and visit, including a church. It's up on a hill through a woods and you can see the sea from the top of the hill. So excited. I've also bought some cat balls so I can do a little bit of paranormal investigating. If you want to catch up with us, I'll be putting some pics on social media. Uh, All the links are in the podcast description. Also, if you want to support the show, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the whispering woods. Other ways to support us are by sharing the podcast with other like-minded people 
If there are any children out there you know would lo- who love spooky stories, especially this time of year, let them know about the podcast. That'd be fabulous. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we will catch up with you again on Wednesday for patrons and Thursday for the extra episode. Take care, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.